This week our Bible reading is taken from Nehemiah, Nehemiah chapter 2, verses 1 to 10, which can be found on page 484 in the Church Bible. In the month of Nisan, in the 20th year of the king Artaxerxes, when wine was brought for him, I took the wine and gave it to the king. I had not been sad in the presence of the king before, so the king asked me, Why does your face look so sad when you are not ill? This can be nothing but sadness of the heart. I was very much afraid, but I said to the king, May the king live forever. Why should my face not look sad when the city where my ancestors are buried lies in ruins and its gates have been destroyed by fire? The king said to me, What is your want? Then I prayed to the God of heaven, and I answered the king, If it pleases the king, and if your servant has found favour in his sight, let let him send me to the city in Judah, where my ancestors are buried, so that I can rebuild it. Then the king, with the queen sitting beside him, asked me, How long will your journey take, and when will you get back? It pleased the king to send me, so I set a time. I also said to him, If it pleases the king, may I have letters to the governors of Trans-Euphrates, so that they will provide me safe conduct until I arrive in Judah. And may I have a letter to Asaph, the keeper of the royal park, so that he will give me timber to make beams for the gates of the citadel by the, te- by the temple and for the city wall and for the residence I will occupy. And because the gracious hand of my God was on me, the king granted my requests. So I went to the governors of the Trans-Euphrates and gave them the king's letters. The king had also sent army officers and cavalry with me. When Sanballat the Horonite and Tobiah the Ammonite officers heard about this, they were very much disturbed that someone had come to promote the welfare of the Israelites. Thanks for the word of the Lord. And I'll start off with one again. Which is, can you name the smallest man in the Bible? Oh, behave yourself. <laughs> no, yeah, Chris O came up with that one this morning. But the thing is that if you look at the word Nehemiah, it breaks down to a very small person. But he wasn't a very small person at all. In fact, he was one of the, I would say, one of the most influential people. I was once talking with a, uh, a group of us, we were talking with a Jewish rabbi it was just after the eight day war between Israel and, um, uh, and Egypt and we were talking about the coming of the Lord and his words were read Nehemiah and Ezra and they are the most they are critical books to read and they're very pivotal in the whole of the Bible because they tell us of God's help and encouragement for his people. So, 
Last week, Peter took us through his role in the king's household with the words, I was the cupbearer to the king. I want us to look at, and then Peter talked about different ways of praying. He talked about group prayer, talked about individual prayer, talked about prayer triplets. And as soon as he said prayer triplets, it, it clicked off something in my, in my mind because uh, it, it is, when, when you see something happen and grow and grow and grow, you know there's something of God in it. And I was with others when, we, when the prayer triplet praying came into being. We were led by a guy named Brian Mills. And he had, he, 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 he used to say this about prayer. He said, do you know what? Has anyone only got, I better not say that because it would be bad. Have we all got two legs? Have we all got two feet? All he used to say is that you've been given two legs, two feet. And if you're praying for someone or something, use your legs and your feet to go and do something about it. In other words, don't say, oh Lord, send him. But do it yourself. And then he, he, and Brian was, a, he was, he was actually my line manager in, in Mission England when we were setting the whole thing up all over the country. And um, one of the things I remember so much about him was that he, he wrote a book. It was a very simple book. It was called Three Times Three Equals Twelve. Now, if you're a mathematician, you know that's total, total nonsense. But what happened was that he could say, if you get three people praying, for three people, it ends up by being 12 because they will be converted. Because the whole thing about Mission England or, or about um, prayer triplets, were they, were, it was evangelistic praying. And one of the prayers which I know God answers more than any other is when we start praying for someone to be converted. And when God hears that prayer and he will work on it and work on it with you. So what I suggest you do is that if, if you know, a lot of people uh, look on prayer, triplet praying, as a, another way of doing, doing prayer. It's not. It's a, it's a way of being prayers to bring people into the kingdom. I can tell you the story of th three lads. They, they lived in Bootle on Merseyside, and those of you who know where we come from, that, that was one of the places we worked in. And these lads caught hold of the vision of praying for their friends. And their three boys praying together did become 12. And they were only, they, they were 12 and 13. But they grasped the vision of what the prayer was about. Often we misuse prayer triplets because we think in terms of, oh, let's have a good time of prayer together. It's not. It's work, 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 bringing people to know the Lord Jesus as Lord and Saviour. Anyway, Nehemiah, this is because you, you sparked me off last week, you know, you really did. The one prayer that Jesus always hears is the prayer for our lost people. And if we pray that prayer, Lord, hear my prayer so that my friend, my brother, my sister, my parents might come to know the Lord. That's the one to pray. see where we're going from here. Oh. Now, in Nehemiah's um, narrative, there are two prayers. One is the prayer which Peter talked about last week, the passionate prayer. The passionate prayer where he, he, he heard of the problems that were going on in, in uh, Judah 
and all the things that had happened to his friends and his family, and he wanted to do something about it. But what did he do? He didn't just sort of, oh Lord, what am I to do? He got on his knees and beseeched God and asked him what he should do. He came to God first. Then, bless his cotton socks, what did he do? After receiving the news from Jerusalem, he was the cupbearer to the king. The king saw how depressed he was. Got a long face. He said, why have you got such a long face? And Nehemiah said, well, how can I have a good face when everything's gone wrong at home? And then it goes on and says, and this is where... I was very much afraid, but I said to the king, may the king live forever. Why should my face not look sad when the city where my ancestors are buried lies in ruins and the gates have been destroyed by fire? And the king said to me, what is it you want? Then I prayed to the God of heaven and I answered the king. This is the arrow prayer. And this is where we often get in a muddle with our praying. We think in terms that um, the arrow prayer is a good enough prayer. I've, over the years, and I was involved with the, the prayer groups in Mission England for a long time, and a number of times folks said, oh, we just send up a quick prayer to God. It ain't good enough. Because you've got to know the situation before you can pray as Nehemiah did. And I prayed, and I answered the king, if it pleases the king, and if your servant has found favor in his sight, I got this from American translation, let him send me to the city in Judah where my ancestors are buried, so I can rebuild it. I also said to him, this is cheeky, this bit, I think. May I have letters to the governors of Trans-Euphrates so they will provide me with safe conduct until I arrive in Judah? And may I have a letter to Asaf, keeper of the royal park, so he will give me timber to make the beams for the gates of the city to the temple and for the city wall and for the residence I will occupy. So he was asking, he asked for, first of all for safe passage, he asked that he might go back. And the other thing I like about it is, is that uh, you can see his, see his relationship with the king because the king said, how long will you be away and when will you be coming back? There was a big relationship there. And the task begins, I'll put there. The request, he got permission to go to Jerusalem. He asked for letters from the king so his journey would be speedy. He'd be able to get timber to rebuild the gates. And he's something, you know, rebuilding the wall. He began the preparation. He communicated the why to relieve the distress of the nation and to remove the reproach of the nation. He communicated the what to repair the walls, to repair the gates. The king was good to them, and the people had a mind to work. But Nehemiah faced opposition. But Nehemiah showed Satan that he relied on God. You know, you've got, if you've read the chapters, this chapter, you'll know. Nehemiah faced opposition. And Satan uses men to oppose God's word. Nehemiah's plan, he asked for help but he asked for man's help only after he'd asked for God's help. In God's appointed way, at God's appointed time, Nehemiah was given the means and grace to be able to, have the, to do the work that God had wanted him to do. And then he did something which was terribly important. He assessed the need 
of the people. He assessed the needs about the wars. He assembled the workers. Now, I don't know whether you can read that or not, but there are ten different gates there that he had to get. And what he did, let me go on to the next slide, I think it is. They are the ten spiritual experts. The sheep gate, the fish gate, the old gate, the valley gate, the dung gate, the fountain gate, the water gate, the horse gate, the heath gate, and that, I can't read the last one. But here are pictures of the gates. And when you look at the, look at the size of the gates, and these are modern pictures, you can get something of the, of the amount of work that he had to do to, do to rebuild. Near my secret mission, I've, called, I've said Nehemiah the flaneur. Do you remember when Paul, Paul Thomas was here a couple of weeks ago? He talked about a flaneur who came to, uh, and he talked about the vicar to St. Martin in the field, who'd come, come early and he'd gone around the whole of the area to see what was going on there, so he would have an idea of what to do. And he became, the see, he's looking at each gate to assess the repair work that had to be done. When you, you know, when you think of the guy, he was absolutely, I think, incredible. Because not only was he a man of God, he was also an engineer. He was also an architect. Because he was able to work out how much to build. And, realized, and he realised, you know, he realised that it wasn't a one-man task. It had to be done by a team of people. And so Nehemiah had to build up a team. He recruited the personnel needed to get the job done. And then these were the verses that one put. And then he said to the people he recruited, he said, look at the trouble we're in. Jerusalem lies in ruins and its gate had been burned with fire. Come, let us rebuild the wall of Jerusalem and we will no longer be in disgrace. I also told them about the gracious hand of my God on me and what the king had said to me. Then I said to them, you see the trouble we're in? Jerusalem lies in ruins, etc., etc." Then he replied, Let, when he told them exactly what was happening, they replied, you can almost hear the shout, let us start rebuilding. They, they couldn't have enough of it. They wanted to get on with the work that they were being called to do. They were going to do the rebuilding. Then the opposition, the Sanballat and Tobiah and, and Geshem and all these others, they, they had a good go at him. Are you rebelling against the king? Are you having a go? Are you doing it? You can't be that stupid. This is the sort of thing they were getting into. Then, but when God works, the criticism and slander are utmost in opposition to what is happening. You know, we've seen it as a church. We've seen it, and I've seen it certainly in my ministry over the years. When God works, somehow there's a slander that comes in in so many different ways. Next week, Ursh is giving, you, giving us a, uh, an architectural sermon on rebuilding the walls and all the problems that took place as that happened. But one of the things that come to mind, the rebuilding of the walls, Nehemiah's organization was absolutely incredible. He got a team together. He had the bugler there to let them know when there was danger. 
He had soldiers all around him to protect, to protect the, you know, the builders with walls. And it's interesting. They worked again as a team, but they worked in families. They had Joe's family here, Fred's family there, right the way through, the different families that were building the wall or rebuilding the wall. It wasn't just, it was done by families. And they were protected by soldiers. And they, and it, you know, I, I often, I would have loved to have the visual aid of a, a shovel in one hand and a sword in the other. Because that's the sort of thing they were up to. They really wanted God's to do his work. And I, I think I've said this, but I've got down here, we often confuse, confuse the two forms of prayer. If you want to read some stories of how prayer triplets were used in converting people, get hold of that book, Three Times Three, and you'll find some very powerful testimonies in there of how God used prayer to change people's lives. You know, we often, we do get muddled up about prayer. We really do. You know, you, um, you can talk about prayer till you're blue in the face. But unless we get on our knees and by the Spirit of God to speak out about the situations that we want to pray about, he will then provide us with all the equipment that we need to pray those prayers effectively. The second type of prayer, the arrow prayer, I'm a great believer in it because, you know, the, um, I will often say to someone, if you can't pray, just use the words, God help me. And often you find that people cannot pray. But we're not that. We do know how to pray. We're prayers. And we've got to really get hold of it and grasp that get on our knees and say, this is what it is, God. This is the problem. This is what we've got to do. Help us, please, we pray. Then we can go and see the king and with sour face and we can just say, this is what we're all about. Help us, please. Help us. And the king helped them because Nehemiah had prepared the way. You may have gathered, I don't know, but when Joyce said to me a couple of weeks ago, she said, what are we going to do Nehemiah? I almost re recited the whole book of Nehemiah to you, didn't I, Joyce? Because it was so, it's such a wonderful book. But, you know, it starts off in prayer and it works for all the things that happened. Then, when, when the work is done, Ezra, who was Nehemiah's mate, as it were, got up and read the word of God. And all the people, all the people, did all sorts of funny things. Oh, they had hands in the air. Oh, dear, we don't do that. We're Church of England. They got on their knees. They fell down on their faces. And they prayed to God. They, they, they really praised God for what he'd done. Because the walls were built. And we forget, and if you read that, read chapter 8 of Nehemiah, it's wonderful. It tells you how to lift up your hands in prayer. And how to lift up your hands in worship. I think it's wonderful. Just read the book of Nehemiah. I sat down and I've got it on my Kindle. And I sat down and I read it, literally. It took me about an hour and a half, but it was well worth reading. I was reading it right the way through from A to, B, A to Z. Please read the book. But learn how to pray. Yes, we're prayers. But let's really pray for what God wants, not what we want. I'm going to say a little prayer. And then have a time of quietness, okay? Father, we just want you to help us. No, teach us, Lord, how to pray. Teach us for whom to pray. 
teach us what we should be praying. But help us as a church to become your powerful prayer warriors in this place. Father, we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.